The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rock. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers who are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who's on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina. The editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us here on Tuesday morning, uh, sons of, or excuse me, Monday morning. What day am I in? <laughs> uh, if you would like to check us out online, please do so, sonsoflibertyradio.com and sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com. We're going live right there on the right side of the page. You can enlarge that if you'd like to do so. You can see the face that's made for radio. And uh, also, you can catch the live video feed now on Bradley's Twitter account at BradleyDean1 if you want to follow him there on his Twitter account, BradleyDean1. We're also on Facebook at BradleyDeanSOL. Our YouTube channel is not B Dean Sons of Liberty. I thought I had changed this up for a little bit, so I keep up with everything. It's just look for Bradley Dean. Put Bradley Dean in, two E's, Bradley, and uh, you'll find him there on YouTube. Also, we're live on BeforeIt'sNews.com, front page right there, and DLive.TV at The Sons of Liberty. If you'd like to support The Sons of Liberty, um, we're not ones to have our hand out begging for money, but if you had, if you want to support the ministry, please go to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. You can click on the donate link at the top of the page, or you can become a monthly donor. We call them Sons or Daughters of Liberty. You can do that and set up what you want to donate um, to help the ministry uh, do what we do. And we do more than radio. We do more than internet. We, I mean, we're out there among the people as well. So if you'd like to support us, go there. There's a, a link also at the top of the page called Become a Son or Daughter of Liberty. You can do that. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the right side, the top right side of the page, just under the big uh, thing that changes pictures there. I don't know if they call that thing. A slider, I think. Uh, just down below that on the right side of the page, you can click on to sign up for our newsletter. Please do that. And that lets you keep up with things that we're doing. If you want to call into the show, you can do that. You got a comment or you got a question. Uh, opening up the phone lines here. So 215 Top Talk, 215 867 8255. And uh, please stick to the topic. And what is that topic? Well, is there a separation in church of state here in America? I think not. I think not. Before I bring on my guests to do that, let me address one thing because this is where people go. It's not found in the Constitution because the Constitution says that Congress, all right, Congress makes no law regarding the establishment of the church, right? Or 
the or anything to prohibit the free exercise of religion. Specifically, it's pointing towards the Christian religion. That's what was to be protected. There were two letters, one from the Danbury Baptist to Thomas Jefferson, and then there was a response from Jefferson. So let me lead it like this. And Jefferson's letter is very short. You can see this. He gets to the meat of the matter in his second paragraph out of a three-paragraph letter. Believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, that he owes account to none other for his faith or his worship, that the legitimate powers of government reach action, actions only and not opinions, I contemplate with sovereign reverence that act of the whole American people which declared that their legislators should, quote, make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, end quote, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. So this is where this comes from. But the wall, everybody needs to understand something. The wall of separation he talked about was the one that said that the state cannot do things to the church unless the church is acting immorally. Maybe they've gone out and they've created a mob and they want to, I don't know, rob somebody or they, you know, whatever the case may be. That would be an issue to where they, they would be dealt with, but not for the free exercise of the Christian religion as it is. Okay, so But as far as the church is concerned, the church has every right and, yes, a duty to influence itself as well as the truth that it holds to the state. It does have that, it does have that responsibility. We're going to talk about that today in a practical matter because a lot of people ask the question, well, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Well, we're going to get to that. If you're a part of the church, this is going to be right up your alley on the what do we do uh, scene here. And uh, to talk about that with me this morning is Dr. John Diamond. We had him on the other week, and uh, he has he's had some teaching on this, and I think it's really great. I told him I think this is a good answer for the church to hear today as far as what the ecclesia is, or the church as it's rendered in the English. And so I uh, want to welcome back to the Sons of Liberty, Dr. John Diamond. Good morning, brother. Morning, brother. Hey, glad to be back on here again. Yeah, okay. All right, so let's get to this. We've talked about this before, and uh, this particular scene's got my head really big, <laughs> so I'm going to shrink down here a little bit. We've talked about this before. Um, what is it that is so... What is it that the church is supposed to be about doing? If there's, if there's no restraint on the church to influence the state then what is the church actually supposed to be doing? And I think uh, I, I watched your video on this. I think you hit it right on the head. Can you tell people a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, first, I just appreciate the fact that you brought up the whole separation of church and state issue. Um, that's one of the lies in the Americanism course, and I wasn't planning on dealing with it, um, but both of the books that I've got out right now, An Appeal to Heaven and uh, Fighting the Next American Revolution, deals with separation in church and state. I mean, in detail. So um, anybody interested in this really needs to get both of those books and understand this. That's one of the lies that we need to we need to destroy. And I've got an entire other video on that. Um, but one of the things that the church and, and I want to kind of since I got a 45 minute video out there, I want to kind of ad, ad lib a little bit. And I want to talk about why this is, is so important. If you understand theologically that because of the fall of man, the world is shrouded in darkness, and the only way to come out of that darkness is one through Christ and through his word, that way your eyes are opened up. You can now see 
what it is you need to see. When I hear people say that the church shouldn't be involved in fill in the blank, whatever it is, you have to understand darkness is the default condition. And if you remove the light from any institution, darkness and blindness are, are going to fill the void. Um, the church is called to be the head and not the tail. We should be in leadership positions. We should not be just following along the blind, leading the blind. We should be the ones who have our eyes opened up, who understand the wisdom of God's word, who understand his laws. We should be out front boldly leading and not just following those who we know. I mean, we know they're blind. We know that they have no idea what they're talking about. But for whatever reason, we think we just have to follow these blind people into an abyss. And, and it's ridiculous. Um, so when I, when I first started Peacemakers Outreach 20 years ago, the, the Lord showed me um, there are essentially five institutions. And, and we're going to deal with one today, the church. There are five institutions um, that the Christian church has to be the head of. The, if, if you put them in a tier, uh, the top two are church and government. These are the only two institutions that God gave any authority to. God has given authority to the government, Romans 13. God has given a uh, authority to the church. That's what we're going to talk about here today because it's rarely talked about. The other three institutions are Hollywood, uh, media or journalism, and the schools. Now, those bottom three, while they have no authority, they can't make you do anything. They shape our worldview. They shape public opinion. So at Peacemakers Outreach, we're involved really in all five of these institutions. I'm working with a brother named uh, Tim Shields at the Content 2020 Film Festival, um, and, and they've created master classes and they've created things to help Christians write scripts, be producers. Um, we've got a media and journalism master class this year to teach Christians who, who have a call to do what you're doing. Um, to teach them more on this. And then we've started a public school here in, in, in our own area because these three, Hollywood, the media, and the schools shape our worldview. And what we, what we believe affects the way we deal with even government. So what we want to focus on today is really the, the church and, and government because the church thinks that we can just withdraw from government and then somehow we'll just be this blessed nation that just follows all of God's laws and all precepts. And if we're not out leading and we're not out in front, then then that does not happen. And that, that's the way it was in America from the time the Mayflower landed to about 1960 when they created separation of church and state. So so to turn this nation back around, th this is what we have to to begin to reverse. We we have we have the numbers, we have God, we have the Constitution, we have a judicial precedent, we have everything on our side. We're just walking like you and Bradley Dean say, we're walking in ignorance, according to Hosea. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So that's what we're trying to do here at Peacemakers Outreach and, and my uh, website, um, my YouTube channel, Divine Worldview. We're trying to get that divine worldview back into people's minds that we can turn this country around. Yeah, and and I think that's that's very important that people understand that. And we had somebody saying, "Oh, you know, it's." Um, let me read the comment here, um, if I can find it again. But he was basically saying that um, separation of church and state is essential. Otherwise, government will depend on which mob of silly believers and fairies shouts loudest or kills most of the believers and other stupid non-existent fairies. Well, the problem is, um, you know, to the commenter there is that is not how uh, America worked for hundreds of years here. I mean, it just, it just wasn't how it was done. 
In fact, it was laid out. Are there people who can abuse things? We're not denying that. But when they abuse that, there is the law in which we want, we appeal to heaven, and then the people are the ones to deal with that. Uh, we talked about, we've talked about the militia before. That's what they're there to, is to enforce that law. But uh, but there is the church is called to be the moral compass here, and as a result of that. You gotta have godly people doing it. You can't have these people like um, I don't know some of these that Donald Trump has advising him, uh, such as Paula White and people like that. You can't have those kind of people doing it. You gotta have people who stick to the moral law of God. And I watched a gentleman the other day, um, yesterday. I watched a couple of his videos because I, I like to I like to hear what he has to say. He's not a Christian, um, but as one made in the image of God, boy, he was picking up on a lot of the morality stuff. He was even quoting scripture. And I was like, boy, isn't he rebuking a lot of Christians today? Because he's at least saying, man, this, this is just a This is a case of morality here. So uh, I think it is something that the Christian church needs to hear. And uh, so let's get to it. What is the deal with Ecclesia? Because uh, we know that uh, in the translation of say the King James the word ecclesia, which is a Greek word for basically the assembly there, um, that somehow this has gone to church and people have lost the idea of what the church is supposed to be about. How about how about tackling that for just a bit? Okay. Um, the first thing that we have to understand, and we're going to be focusing really in Matthew um, more than anything, because what we're talking about here is the authorities. God has created two great authorities on this earth. He's created the government and then he's, and then the church or the ecclesia, and he's given both of them authorities. We just have to understand the sphere and suppose in which they're supposed to work. Now, in order to understand, before we even look at Matthew, we have to have a firm understanding of who Christ is. And the Christian church has absolutely lost all understanding of who Christ is. Um, when you go back to Isaiah 33, 22, it, it says that the Lord is the judge, the Lord is the lawgiver, and the Lord is the king. Okay, all three of those are government positions, just like our, our government. We have an executive branch, judicial branch, and a legislative branch. All right, that, that makes up the, totali- the, the totalness of government. Isaiah 33, 22 says that Christ is the Lord, he is the lawgiver, he is the judge, he is our king. We in the Christian church, ever really since the Protestant Reformation, I think, have focused so much on Christ as Savior, and we absolutely ignore his sovereign rule over all of creation, which is something we understand completely in the Old Testament, and it's been almost abandoned in the New Testament. So, you know, when Christ came, what do they say? Where is he born? Savior of the Jews? No, whereas he was born the king of the Jews. When he stood before Pilate, are you the king of the Jews? Yes, I am. When he took him out to the Jews, what do you want me to do with your king? Crucify him, hang him on a cross, hang here as the king of the Jews. I mean, this was the message of the early church, the kingdom of God, God's sovereign rule over all of his creation was the number one thing that they preached. Yes, they preached Christ as savior and it's necessary, but it's necessary in the context that, look, there's a king lawgiver and a judge and you've broken his law and you're going to stand before him one day. So that's, that's where the savior part of the message comes in. Um, when we look at the prophecy, and I ask people, I say, why did Christ come? Oh, he came to be Savior. I'm like, well, is that is that what the is that what the scripture teaches? 
I said, let's go to Isaiah 9, 6. The this government is shall be upon his shoulders. <laughs> exactly. I said, I said, let's go to Isaiah 9, 6. This is our favorite Christian or our Christmas verse. And, you know, and it starts off, it says, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. And that's where they stop because it because the rest of the, the context does not fit into the Savior narrative because it's not saying that Christ is coming as Savior. It's saying that he's coming as the chief government official, the king, the lawgiver, and the judge. So when you continue to read, it says, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it says, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David, that's government, and over his kingdom, that's government, to order it, establish it with judgment and justice. Those are functions of government from that time forward, even forevermore. So from the time that he is born as a baby in the manger, he will be given the kingdom, the keys of the kingdom. He will be the chief government official now and forever. And, and that is something that we have absolutely lost in, in the Christian faith. We, we, we spend 99.9% of our time preaching the elementary teaching that Christ is savior and, and almost practically nothing that, that he is King. Yep. Yep. I know. I, I completely agree that that's exactly what's going on. All right. So what are the practical implications for the church in espousing that Christ is King teaching the nations to obey all that he's commanded? That's Matthew 8, uh, 28, 19 and 20. Um, that would that would include those in government. We see the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. He goes before uh, King Agrippa. He's before Herod. Um, he's before, all, not Herod. Um, what was the other guy's name? I'm drawing a blank right now. Before Agrippa. But he speaks Felix. to... Felix, yes. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, and Agrippa. And he speaks to them. He presents to them the history that they have. And, and, and Agrippa says, you're almost persuading me to become a Christian. Is that your intent? Well, yeah, Paul says not only you, but all men, that they would do that. And why? Because no matter what the status is, they're to submit to Jesus as king. In fact, the Bible says that they're going to submit to him as Lord. All men are going to do it, whether you are like our friend who made the comment about invisible fairies and stuff like this, or whether you're me or you, we're all going to bow our knee to Jesus as Lord. We're going to confess that he's Lord. He's everyone's Lord. And so what does that what does that entail? Because a lot of people say, oh, well, that's just, you know, a belief system like this guy said. Well, it is a belief system, but it, it calls for action, too. It calls for action to be taken. What's some of that action the church has to has to take in the area of dealing with, uh, say, the state? Well, we we have to understand, again, the authority. God has mm -hmm. put two great authorities on this earth. He's given government. Right. Let every soul be subject to the higher authority, for there is no authority but of God. God is the number one. You know, Christ is number one authority, even over government. That's what Romans 13 teaches. It doesn't say obey your government. It says let everybody include government submit to Christ. That's what Romans 13 teaches. Um, the church has kind of got it backwards because we've put Caesar above Christ. And, and we think that we have to obey the government and the decrees of Caesar over over the decrees of Christ. And, and that's where we've got it backwards. So to talk about the ecclesia and what the ecclesia is, um, I want to go to Matthew 16, because this is where this is where we have been given the authority. Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. What we don't understand and what we're not walking in is that authority then was transferred to the church, to the believers. Was, all right. So when he left, he still left us basically in charge, 
All right, we are to speak God's word with all authority and tell everybody, including government, what it is they are supposed to be doing. Now, let me show you where we where we get this transfer of authorities in Matthew uh, 16, and it's really about verses 13 through 20, and I'll read it. It says, well, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, he said, who do you say that I, the son of man, am? Okay, and they said to him, some said John the Baptist, some Elijah, other Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So everybody else just thought he was some guy that came along in the manger. Peter recognized who he was. He was the Christ. He was the pre, he's existed before the manger, that he is king, lawgiver, and judge. He's the same, he's the same person we dealt with in the Old Testament, now has come in the flesh. And he said, and God, and uh, Peter said, good, God revealed that to you because everybody else just thinks I'm, you know, either a reincarnation of somebody else or, or just some normal guy that came along in the manger. They have not had the revelation that of who I am. I am Lord. I am King, lawgiver, and I am judge. So then it says, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. Now here, here is where the transfer of authority comes. He says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. That's the word ecclesia. It says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. When, when somebody is given the keys, they're given authority. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. So when we look at that first part, and he says, you are the Christ, he's basically saying you are the chief government administrator. All right. That's that's what the prophecy in Isaiah said he was going to come to do, that he was going to the government would be on his shoulder. So recognizing who you first have to recognize who Christ is. If you just think he's some guy that came along in a manger, you know, he's no different than any of the rest of us. But if you understand he's the Lord from heaven and the prophecies in Isaiah 9, 6 said the government will be upon his shoulder. You're basically saying you are king, lawgiver and judge and, and recognizing that fact. And then he says, all right, good job. Um, you got that figured out. He said, on this rock, I will build my church or my ecclesia. If you ask anybody probably in America to define the word church, they will probably come up with something like a local assembly of believers or a congregation or a religious meeting. During the days of Christ, when he was standing there talking to, to Peter, nobody, when he used the word church or ecclesia, would have thought about any religious institution because an institution, an ecclesia at the time of Christ had absolutely nothing to do with re religion, nothing. It had to do with a place of government. It was, it was a seat of government. So there were three institutions at the time of Christ. There was the temple, which was a place of prayer and worship. There was the synagogue, which was a place of teaching. Um, but then there was the ecclesia or a place of government administration. This happened at the gates of the city. It was like the city council meeting. What has happened in Christianity really since kind of, I don't know when, maybe 300 AD, but definitely since the Protestant Reformation, we have taken the functions of the temple and the synagogue, prayer, worship, and teachings, and we have made that the church. We have made that the ecclesia. So if we meet on Sunday morning and we pray and worship and teach, we think we're fulfilling our purpose as the ecclesia. Nothing could be further from the truth because the ecclesia was a place of government administration. Um, 
and I'll just read the definition here. And I've got, I pull a bunch. You, if you watch the video, I've got resources. I've got so many quotes from so many encyclopedias, both secular and biblical. Um, but here, here's the definition of what an, an ecclesia is. An ecclesia is a political, judicial, and government term. It is a political assembly of citizens of an ancient Greek state. It refers to the convening of citizens to discuss legal matters and handle the administrative affairs of government. It was a place of legal counsel. It refers to those who had final say in what is lawful and what is not lawful. So what would happen at the gates of the cities? The herald would go out and he would blow the horn and all the people of the city would come and they would gather together at the gates of the city. It was a city council meeting. And then they would have discussions and debates in almost a democratic fashion. What are we going to allow and what are we going to forbid in our society, in our, in, within our nation? This is where the role of the Christians became so important because when people in the city began converting to Christ and they started to recognize him as king, lawgiver, and judge, they would take issues like the gladiatorial games and they said, hey, there's a motion on the table to end gladiatorial games. What do you say? And, and the Christians were like, well, according to the Ten Commandments, this is murder. You can't murder people for sport. So we are going to vote that gladiatorial games end in our, in our city or infanticide. There's a number of things that the ancient evils that the Christian church put an end to because they got involved in government. They just didn't sit in their upper room and pray, but they prayed for boldness so they could go to the gates of the city and deal and deal with these types of institutions. All right, good. I'm glad that you brought that up because <clears throat> a lot of people, that's the first time they've ever heard what you just said. That, that's the first time they've ever heard that kind of a definition go for what the church is to be. And yet, many of them will point back to uh, visions like Daniel had, where he saw the image that was smashed uh, with, a, with a stone cut out without hands, and then that grew to fill the whole earth. And I think that's doing exactly what you're talking about here, and that is that Christ is, his kingdom is, um, will encompass the entire world, and how does it do that? Well, it does that, one, in the preaching of the gospel, no doubt about that. But then it's also in this, this format that you're saying here. It's going out, it's telling people, look, that's unlawful. Not because somebody wrote some law somewhere doing whatever. It's unlawful because God said it's unlawful. He's the creator. He's the one who's given men rights. He's what He has put forth what needs to be done here, and we need to follow that. You gave a great example there with the with the Gladiator Games. So, <clears throat> what what goes on beyond that? The people go and do that, um, and I think this is the reason we're we're seeing a lot of the problems that we're seeing in America today. We have abortion here because the church is just they, they say, "Hey, this is bad," in the church when they're when they're meeting together. But what about when they go out? Are, are they even going to city council meetings? Are they even going to their county council? Or, I mean, is that even happening? And I think this is, this is the element that's missing. And that's why I wanted to have you on today to talk about it, because a lot of people keep saying, what do we do? Well, this is what you do. And a great example of that <clears throat> I mentioned to you yesterday was uh, Jeff Durbin, uh, Apologia. I think they're in Arizona. And he teaches his people to do just that, and he leads them in it. They go out and they speak on the corners of the street uh, against abortion clinics. They go to the city and county councils, and they give reasoned um, 
appeals to them of why they should end abortion or why they should change this or do that. They're going back to the scripture. So I think that uh, they're giving an example out there. Um, what's some other things that, that people can do uh, with this, with this uh, idea of, of going into the gates? Well, I mean, the, the, the first thing you have to understand is first the command. I mean, like you said, the Great Commission says to go into all the world and command everybody to obey all my teachings. We're not even doing that. We're not even teaching them in the church to obey Christ's teachings. We certainly are not going outside the, the, the four walls of doing it. Um, but again, you have to understand the authority that we that we are doing. Um, I, I remember in seminary, I heard a, a story about one of the city states um, at the time, shortly after Christ, that uh, that uh, I think it was a monk or something came out of his monastery um, and, and came down into a city and saw the gladiatorial games. And he said and he saw it and he was just appalled that men were murdering one another for sport. And he jumped out in the middle of the Colosseum and he said, in the name of Christ, stop. And they killed him. But the people were so appalled by what just happened. There was never another gladiatorial game that ever took place in that city. And, and I think that's how we're supposed to you know, understand that we're supposed to end these evils because when you, when you understand what Jesus is saying in Matthew 16, I will give you the authority of the keys of the kingdom of heaven. If we look it up in the amplified version, he said, whatever you bind, you know, a lot of people use the word bind and loose to mean demons or, you know, we're binding the devil or binding this, this has, it's totally out of context. When you try, yes, we've been given that authority, but this has nothing to do with what Jesus is talking about here. When, when he says that we are to bind and loose, the Amplified says that we are to forbid, to declare improper or unlawful. Um, so it would say this, I'm just reading from the Amplified version. I will give you the keys, the authority of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper or unlawful on earth will have already been bound, forbid, declared improper in heaven. And whatever you loose, whatever you permit or declare to be lawful on earth will have already been loosed, permitted, declared lawful by heaven. So our job is just to come down to the gates of the city and tell people there is a king who outranks Caesar. There is a king that outranks President Trump, <laughs> the Supreme Court. And we are to tell them that is unlawful, all right? It is not permitted. You cannot legalize something that is morally wrong. If God's law says this is wrong and it's elite, it's unlawful, you have no authority to legalize it. And, and, and going out to the gates of the city is what we do not do. Um, because when you understand that, when you take everything that I just said and say, okay, um, what the ecclesia is supposed to do. We've been given the authority by God to go to the gates of the city and to declare to them what is lawful and what is not lawful. When you understand that, now you understand why the early church turned the world upside down. And now it says upside down. They were turning it right side up because the church, the world was upside down because they put Caesar above, above King, above Christ. The, the early church went from town to town to town um, starting at Pentecost, and they went up in the upper room and they prayed for boldness because they knew they were going to have to go front, confront their culture and their society and their government who could put them to death. And they went up there and they prayed for boldness in Acts chapter four. From Acts chapter four to Acts chapter 17, I think it took like 17 years for the, for the church to grow from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It took, I think it took like 17 years to get to Thessalonica. And when they got there, their reputation preceded them because they had the people who heard, uh oh, 
these Christians are coming to town and they're going to be telling us what, what, what's lawful and what's unlawful. So when you go to Acts 17, um, verses 6 and 7, it says, The men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason's harbored them, and they are acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. So that, again, they would go to the gates of the city and they'd say, guys, gladiatorial games is murder. It's got an end. It's a violation of the of the commandment. And they would be like, um, Caesar's going to be sitting up in the stands doing this and this. He's legalized gladiatorial games. And they said he has no authority to legalize gladiatorial games because he cannot legalize that which God has said is illegal. So that is what the Christian church's primary function is. Yes, we're supposed to be doing what we do on Sunday morning, prayer, teaching. Um, but these are supposed to be training grounds so that we learn what we're supposed to do when we leave the building. And this is what Christians are supposed to do. I went down to our city council meeting here in um, in, in Erie, Pennsylvania, when they were when they had uh, these gay rights people in there, you know, doing their thing. And I went in there and I opposed that. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be in there opposing that. There were six pro homosexual ministers in that city council meeting and me. Can you imagine if there was 30 ministers from that city in there opposing the, these bands, opposing these uh, uh, gender uh, counseling bands? They probably would have never even passed it, but they passed it because I was the only voice in there. Now, the great thing is uh, just Friday that the, the federal court ruled that the band was unconstitutional, which is exactly what I told him in the city council meeting. Um, but if you have that video, um, the video of me, yeah, uh, that was that was recorded here on our uh, local radio station. I mean, I went in there and just I was the ecclesia. I just went in there and told them they have no right to do that. They have no right to suppress my freedom of religion and my freedom of speech. And I was there standing for both God and for the Constitution. If you can play that. Yep. Here it comes. So is now taking action against a practice aimed at changing a person's sexual orientation. Council members today passed an ordinance prohibiting conversion therapy. Jameson Hicksonbaugh spoke to both sides of the issue to get their thoughts on the vote. What you would be doing is illegal, and it is also a violation of federal law. At City Hall, the practice of conversion therapy is creating mixed reaction. We have something that is fine-tuned, it's legal, and we should support it for the sake of liberty and for the sake of our children. On Wednesday, Erie City Council members approved an ordinance that prohibits mental health practitioners from conducting conversion therapy on a minor. The practice attempts to change the sexual orientation or gender identity of members within the LGBTQ community. We have decades worth of evidence uh, among specialists in these fields to show that it is not the correct way to engage in therapy with LGBTQ youth. Reverend Rich McCarty supports the ban, stating that it does not dictate what pastors can discuss with their congregation. He says this type of therapy can lead to anxiety, depression, and suicide. What we need to be doing is helping LGBTQ youth grow up like any other youth so that when they come into their adulthood, they can make informed, conscientious decisions about how they identify who they want to be and how they live their life. But conversion therapist counselor Dr. John Diamond calls the ban unconstitutional. The LBG community is essentially um, trying to suppress our God-given constitutional rights of freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Um, and, and again, that's that's illegal and that's unconstitutional. Dr. Diamond says this type of therapy 
is effective. There are many people who have come out of the homosexual transgender lifestyle. I have some good friends who have come out of that, um, and they would admit that they were trapped in that and they saw no way out. While McCarty praises city council for their unanimous decision, Diamond says he plans to file a lawsuit against city council for violating his civil rights. For Erie News Now, I'm Jameson Hicksonbaugh reporting. All right, so and here he joins the list of many let's other clear cities. this out. So one of the things, John, that I <clears throat> I see there is well, that guy is a devil <laughs> in the in the uh, in the clergy outfit there, <clears throat> because to sit there and say what he's saying, I mean, he's demonstrating a lack of love as well. Oh, let's just let the kids, you know, treat them like any other kid. I, I, I'm not saying don't treat them like any other kids, but just when you deal with other kids who are misbehaving, well. You correct them. You bring discipline on them. When you're engaged in that kind of thing where there's this gender confusion, where there is this, uh, <clears throat> this, as it were, what God, what God says, where he's turned to people over to engage in that kind of behavior, you call people out of it. And like you said in the, uh, in the interview there, um, many people have come out of that. And that's not just for now. People can read the book of 1 Corinthians and they can see some of the Corinthian Christians used to engage in that too. And Paul says, but now you've been washed, you've been cleansed, don't do it anymore. I mean, it's it's that kind of thing. And that is the Christian message. Stop sinning. And what is sin, folks? Transgression of the law. So all of this and I've said it over and over. Yes, there's a spiritual reason for the violation of law, but um, every every one of the the prophets had a political message. It was always go back to the law, be, obey the law, stop sinning. Jesus says, stop sinning. <laughs> the apostles don't sin, repent. All of this, and so it, it's incredible that people don't that they don't see what's going on there. Well, yeah, and it shows a bunch of spiritual immaturity within the church too. Uh, again, I mean, my my master's is in theology, my doctorate's in Christian education, but I mean, it's theologi- it's theologically immature when you do not preach against sin. I think it says in 1 Corinthians 15, um, it, where it says, awake to righteousness and do not sin. And then he says, for some of you do not have the knowledge of God, I say that to your shame. He was telling this immature Christian church in, 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 in Corinth, you guys haven't even figured out that God doesn't want you to sin. And that's a shame. I mean, that's essentially what he was saying. So um, the Christian church has to get back to the law. All right. Not the sacrifices, not the feast days and the Sabbath, but God's moral law. That has never, I got a whole video on that. That has never been put aside. Murder, lying, killing, stealing, adultery. None of this stuff has ever, (laughs) ever been legalized under the new Testament, but they throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Um, but that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be God's moral authority. We're supposed to be going not o- not only in our society, but even to government and saying you you know you cannot legalize something that God says is, is unlawful. Um, and if if and so we're starting this ecclesia in action project. Um, and that's what that video is. You can put the links down in the description, but what we're wanting people to do is actually Christians to do. And I've got three examples, me, and then two more that I sent you where, where Christians and Christian ministers have actually gone into their city councils and basically rebuke them. And that's what we're called to do. Rebuke, reprove, 
and rebuke them for the stands that they are taking. And what we want people to do is just across this country is, is to pray for the boldness and then go in there and speak to their city councils and tell them that according to Romans 13, God put you in your position to enforce his commandments, his ordinances. That's what Romans 13 teaches, not to make your own up and make yourself God, but they are to submit to the higher authority. That's what my book appeal to heaven um, talks about. Yeah. And this is, let me, let me, let me jump in here a second. This is vastly different than Sharia because I've been accused of being a Christian Taliban and this, that, and the other. Uh, Christianity actually upholds due process. Two or three witnesses have to confirm a matter or somebody's going to confess, but you can't go and do a lot of the things. I I just want to clear that up because I know some people are going to hear this and that's what they're going to think is going on. Yes. Does it have some similarities in, in its approach? Yes. But they're not the same thing. Now, let me let me give a couple of these. We've got a couple of more videos here. And I've got some people asking, where can, where can we find these videos like the one I just played with you? Well, you'll be able to find them in the archive at sonsoflibertymedia.com later on this morning. Not now. It'll probably be sometime before lunch. You'll look for it with the same title as the video platform that's on here. <clears throat> that we're using now. And for you guys listening by radio, you'll be able to see it too. If you want to do that, head over to sonslibertymedia.com. This, this one took place, I guess, here in Char- or just across the line from me in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and this gentleman, uh, Flip Benham, uh, he does the same thing. So I want to play that clip and uh, give people another example of somebody doing what we're talking about here. This evening is Mr. Flip Benham from Concord, North Carolina. You have three minutes. Miss Mayor, Council, good to be with you. What I just heard Mr. Mitchell read was just this, and, and, the, and the way that you received it was just a way of putting your middle finger right in the eye of Almighty God and saying that we are God that we determine what is right and what is wrong. We do. And this book is just discarded. This book called the Bible. You know, it tells us in the Bible, just a word. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stands guard in vain. In vain you rise up early, toiling, doing all of your things. And God grants sleep to his beloved. Miss Kinsey prayed a prayer. I don't know if that was in the name of Jesus or not. I, she covered a pretty much a number of bases, and that was interesting. But there is one God, and his name is Jesus. And we're going to stand for him in this city. You started the ball rolling on February 28th with this whole transgender issue. You, Miss Roberts, purposefully decided that you were going to go ahead and do this. You are going to try and make transgenderism, sexual orientation, sexual identity, now as somehow a civil right. Ma'am, you cannot make a moral wrong a civil right. Come on, brother. You have no right to do that. It's a moral wrong. Come on, preach it. God has said, ma'am, I'm speaking. I have his three minutes. I'm speaking. 
And ma'am, don't interrupt me, please. You do that all the time. No, Whenever I, I speak. I interrupted the group to let you speak. Th ma'am, that's all right. They can say whatever they want to say because if God doesn't fix this city, if God isn't the answer, if God isn't at the foundation, you're going to have bloodshed coursing down the corners of our streets, our schools, and our workplaces, and you're not going to have a police force big enough to stop it because when you sow bloodshed in the womb and the three abortion mills here in this city, you're going to reap it in the streets. And our God is a God of truth. And these things happen. And when you cast God behind your back, violence always comes in to replace the void. That's why we've got in our schools right now, we've got metal detectors and policemen because they're trying to stop the gangs and violence and drugs that our kids are being turned over to. And now we've got this transgenderism nonsense. Listen, it's not a sin to be black. But it is a sin to be a practicing homosexual. <laughs> yes, it, it is. It is a sin. It is not a moral right. It is wrong. And you need to say so. And you've opened up the doors of hell on our city. You and this council. And you need to repent. I'd like to offer up a reward to you that if you'll repent right now in the name of Jesus, there will be peace returning to this city. Now, Miss Roberts, what will you do? That's your three minutes, Mr. Benham. That's your three minutes. Your time is up. Goodness gracious. <laughs> now, that's, that's, that's a guy you can get behind right there. Uh, that is a guy you can get behind. Um, <laughs> do you want me to play this, this next guy? Uh, yeah, in just a second, let me okay. just comment on that real quick, because, yeah, sure. I mean, he said a lot of the things. You can't make a moral wrong. I mean, if God says it's wrong, governments do not have the authority to legalize it, just like the Nazis. They legalized the killing of Jews. And then when you had the Nuremberg trials, their defense was, we haven't done anything wrong. Everything we did was legal in our country. No, because if God says you can't murder, then you do not have the authority to legalize it. So we have to go back to God's law. We have to recognize he is the moral lawgiver. We do not. You're, it's arrogance to think that you can legalize anything. And, and he said, you have opened up the gates of hell. This is what Jesus was talking about. The gates of hell will not prevail if, if the church is standing there and we're pushing back and we're, re, we're rejecting violations of God's law. We keep the gates of hell closed. We don't let that wicked, evil counsel into our city because we are the ones with the authority that is pushing that back. And you're seeing that happen. So again, that's what we're trying to get people to do. Go to their city councils, get it filmed, um, showing them pronouncing Romans 13 and pr pronouncing God's law. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take it and we're going to put it, um, the ecclesia in action. You can show the next video, but show the whole thing because yeah. it's, it's going to open up with ecclesia in action. It's going to have your name and then the video of you actually doing what it is you're called to do. Go ahead and show that clip. Yeah, I've got it set to start where the uh, <clears throat> where the gentleman's speaking here. But th what you just said is what I really want people to focus on because I think <clears throat> this was this to me is the catch for people wondering what they should do. When you said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, folks, we've said it before: gates don't move. Now you know what those gates are referencing. Okay, they're 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 referencing the seat of authority there. And it is to take that over. When Jesus came in, what did he do? He bound the strong man, he bound the devil, and he plundered his house. This is what Christians are to continue to do, to plunder the house of the devil. We're not talking about, in a, in a, a physical sense, we're stealing stuff from people. We're talking about, we're going in and we're taking back what Jesus has already 
purchased. I mean, this, is, this is not hard to understand, but I think this is the key. The gates of hell, this is what you're going after, folks. This is what you're going after, church. You want to see the change? You're going to have to be the change. You're going to have to be the solution here. It's not just going into church. Again, we say, do that. Get good teaching, though. Get a good somebody who's going to teach the Bible, okay? And then you've got to practice that. You've got to practice it when you're, I don't know, on the radio, when you're in the Internet, when you're going out and you're at the store, <clears throat> when you're going to these city council meetings, these county council meetings, whether or not you're representing somebody at a state level or federal, this is what has to happen. Now, this is the next guy, Cedric Benson. You'll enjoy him, too. Fifth Avenue North. On yesterday, we had a historical thing to happen in the city of Birmingham. They call it historical, you know, made history and all that kind of stuff. But I'm here this morning to talk about another history. History. To me, yesterday was one of the most bizarre scenes I ever seen in this city. One of the most comedic scenes I ever witnessed in public. When I witnessed men with size 13, 14 shoes out there kissing each other in the mouth in front of little kids. It was just bizarre. It was like a freak scene going on. That's what I call it. Now, I know about the government and laws being made, but I got a law this morning that came out of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 31. And it says, shall a man leave his mother and father and join to his wife, and they shall become one. And to have your kids out there yesterday, six, seven years old, holding flags, the Bible said, provoke not your children. Tariah, Tariah, Proverbs 22 and verse 6, 7. Train up a child in the right way he should go. And when he get old, he wouldn't depart. I'm so delighted and honored that God would have me bold enough to stand here and talk about this issue. Well, all the preachers was yesterday. You know what I mean? The only time going to make them come out of them doors when they stop them tithing off in your church. And you can't have men's day no more. And youth day and women's day. I bet you're going to have a sign in your hand with brother Ed then. You're going to be standing in front of the White House then. No, y'all got to leave us alone. You know what I mean? But somebody should have stood up yesterday. Ain't it funny? Everybody got a right but the Christian. So I'm here this morning to talk about my right. Because I got a right too. I can barely say praise the Lord in public now. I might go to jail. I might threaten a lawsuit on the job. You can't have a, tell a person to have a blessed day. Ain't it sad? Y'all, I got a text this morning. going to share it, which I'm getting on out of here. I got a text all the way from Washington, D.C. And I'm going to go and break the news to y'all. And y'all in the back of me also. In two more years, in 2016, February the 9th, you only be able to marry your partner that you play football with no more. You're going to be able to marry your dog. You're going to be able to marry your cat. You're going to be able to marry your snake. You're going to be able to marry your rat, your roaches. Some of y'all been with the roaches so long, you might well go and marry the roach. <laughs> He's been around your house so long, you're going to be able to marry your broom, your mop. Ain't we going crazy in this world, y'all? Ain't we going crazy? I know Alabama made a lot of money. Y'all say, I know somebody else made a lot of money, too. Duracell ain't got no batteries on the shelf this morning. All the batteries gone. I tried to find a battery for my radio this morning. Couldn't find them nowhere. I said, what happened? They said, Rev, they bought all the batteries last night. They celebrated some kind of way. Just bought all the batteries. I don't know what they do to the battery though every day. I'm going to preach. I don't go there. You know what I mean? I don't know what they did with all them batteries. Now, Mr. Mayor, don't stop me in the hallway, you and your security team, and tell me I can't come here talking like I talk. Because you got a political job to do, I got a biblical job to do. Come and I'm on. I'm man and you do yours. I'm going to stay in my lane and you stay in yours. I ain't bought by nobody. If I had to die doing what I'm going to do, I'm just fine. Y'all remember Peter and si uh, Paul and Silas were thrown in jail. I'm getting out of here, Mr. Off. Don't you push that button. Time you remember Paul and Silas <laughs> were thrown in jail? You remember the three Hebrew boys were thrown in the fiery furnace? You remember Daniel was thrown in the Come last on. day? They just said when he show up, 
Or if he show up, they said, we know he going to show up. Why are we scared today, preachers? Your time. Everybody coming out of the closet but the saints. When we going to come ooh, out of the closet? Ooh. And all the gay people ain't show up down there. Y'all say, we got some down low people that show up. Some of them down here. <laughs> oh, 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 man. Oh, I love that. Everybody's coming out of the closet but the saints. Now, ain't that something? Ain't that something? What do you say, John? I mean, he's on it. He's on it. Yeah. I mean, what's it say? Go make disciples, commanding them to obey everything I've said. We are not doing any of that. All right. I talked to the, my denominational president and I said, you know what? I'm called to be an outreach minister and, and a teacher. And I said, you know what? The churches don't hire outreach ministers and d- teachers. All you want is pastors, youth pastors, and secretaries and worship leaders. Why? Because we're nothing but a bunch of irrelevant social clubs that come together and, and, and we pray and we read and we worship and we do not go out of the four walls and change this society. We are failing, failing badly. And if this nation is in trouble and it is in darkness, it's because the Christian church is not being the salt and the light. Yeah, and you can't you can't be the salt and the light if you're just in the four walls of the church. And again, this isn't to I want to stress, we're not doing we're not saying don't go to church. Don't be taught the Bible. But the fact of the matter is, when you read in Ephesians where God gives the gifts in the church, he does that to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Your minister is not the guy preaching behind the pulpit. You are the minister. You and I are ministers. Um, The people in the chat who named the name of Christ, you are ministers. Are you a good minister or a bad minister is the question. Everybody's a theologian. Everybody's a... Uh, uh, they are a theologian. The question is, are you a good one or a bad one? So when we when we do this, when we talk about um, Christianity and, and attacking the gates of hell, this is what we're talking about, people. I hope for, for many people, because we're running out of time here, John, I hope for many people that they understand this. I think this right here helps some people understand what they're supposed to be doing. You've heard from Bradley, and I see it in the chat room all the time. Well, what are we supposed to do? And everybody thinks it's, do who do we vote for? You know, they, they think that's the obligation. That's not the obligation. The obligation is to go stand in the gap, stand in the gates there, and do like these gentlemen have done. Uh, call the those who represent you, who are making decisions on your behalf as ministers of God, because that's what they are. You're to call them to obey God when they do these things. John, we've got about uh, a minute here. Tell people where they can find out about you. They can follow this a little further with some of your videos as well. Um, teachamericanism.org is where you'll find that video. And it's again, it's a complete 45-minute, it's a college-level lecture is what it is. Um, and I break it down in clear theological terms. Um, and I mean, I just tear this thing apart. Um you have to understand Romans 13, and that's what both of my books do, uh, Fighting the Next American Revolution and uh, An Appeal to Heaven, deal with the relationship between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. Uh, we have to deal with both of those. And then you can go to Divine Worldview uh, 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 at YouTube with John Diamond and, and go there. Okay. All right, guys, we'll have the links up later on this morning at sonsoflibertymedia.com. The videos will be there. The show will be archived. You'll be able to check that out uh, at sonsoflibertymedia.com later on this morning, probably around lunchtime or something like that. Uh, Tomorrow, Captain Carl is going to be back with us. We're going to be talking about 
the Q Anon sense. <laughs> okay, you don't want to miss that. 6 a.m. Eastern time. Till then, see ya. Oh, catch Bradley at 3 p.m. too. Adios.